Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 310. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have back with us the notable and talented comic creator and internationally acclaimed Lori Calcaterra. Why, thank you. I'm so glad to be back. I love being a friend of this show. Yeah. I always have a blast here. Um, thank you for having me. You're welcome. And you're here promoting issue number four of four. Path of the Pale Rider. You are correct. We're yeah. still going. <laughs> it's amazing. Still in the game. <laughs> well, because you've come on, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say that you've been on every single time you've had an issue that you've been promoting. Yeah. So I mean, we go way back to the beginning do. of our journey. Before I, I even had a comic book, we were in touch. I know. See, I was that I was that random guy that sent you an email saying, "Hey, do you want to come on my show?" Yeah, and I was like, as soon as I figure my life out, sure. <laughs> and it took me a year to do it, and then I was like, "Hey, is that invitation still open?" <laughs> I know it's a year later, but hey. Um, I still, I, to this day, I love the explanation you make, and I love the the innovative approach that you give to a post apocalyptic western. Thank you. Yeah, it's a little bit different than what everybody's used to. It's um, if you like, um, let's say Book of Eli, The Walking Dead, Spaghetti Westerns, and Cocaine Bear. You heard that correct. Um, that's what Path of the Pale Rider is. So in this world, death has been broken. Um, your body can die, but your soul, your energy, it does not leave your body upon death. Um, so you get to hang out and enjoy your own decay and your brain rots in your skull, making people forgetful or violent or detached as they basically just continue to rot. And it's not just people, it's animals and insects and fish. There is, there is no death. So, um, you get zombies, like I said, but it's like, it's me, it's Barney, uh, it's your neighbor, your friend, your mom. Um, they're, they're still them. Uh, and it hits everybody differently depending on how their death happens. Um, but you can shoot them in the head and they just become more chaotic. They don't get to leave. You can burn them to ash. They're still here. Um, it's terrible. It's terrible. When we start issue one, we're 10 years into the apocalypse where we're following this cowboy named Jude St. Clair, who is kind of like the last guy still looking for the answer of what broke death. You know, 10 years into any kind of crisis, people have moved on. They are really just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. So issue one, um, we give you, you know, what the variant covers look like and some interior pages. This was our first issue and it is in black and white, but it will not be in black and white for long. Um, my colorist, my new colorist, Matt Chambers is actively coloring this right now. I just got a page today. Um, issue number two is called Welcome to Santa Claus. Um, Jude St. Clair goes to the town of Santa Claus. He's looking for information or a person, finds it, and then has to make some rash decisions in order to get closer to this said person. Mm. Um, consequences, consequences ensue. Right. Um, issue number three, we actually jump back in time. You get to see the beginning. So you get to see Jude St. Clair on the day that, that death went missing. He's a young man, a new EMT. And um, the very first thing that happens is a car accident. A big semi-truck wipes the road, smears everybody on it. And um, him and his supervisor are trying to save someone who is basically unsavable. His guts are 
coming right out. They can't save them. Um, they do the iconic like sh bloody sheet over the body and they're real upset about losing this person. And then, of course, the, the body sits up under the sheet. But the difference is, is he pulls off the sheet and he says, hey, guys. <laughs> In other words, I'm still here. What do we do? Right. Um, but you get to see how quickly things devolve. Um, issue number three is kind of interesting because now, again, I keep having to remind people, I wrote this whole series back in 2018. Right. Pre-pandemic. Right. So when I wrote what they were going through, being glued to the TV as things deteriorate, the government overstep, the increasing number of laws to, to separate or, you know, uh, the food situation being dire, all of that was in 2018. And then we sat through the pandemic and we lived that, right. um, which was kind of scary. Um, but that's what that issue is, is, is the badness, the societal decay, the riots, the, un, you know, just unrest. And then, of course, we end with something terrible because that's how I roll. Um, I leave you with the last panel and you're always like, dang it, Lori. Right. <laughs> So issue four, we pick up right from there. We're going to deal with the, the the consequences of what happened in last issue. We're going to a lot more zombie action. Um, this is the definitive end of the normal. This is the end of society. We are burning it all down. Mm. You're going to see this is what sets Jude upon his path. Something happens in this issue where you will see why he is so determined and see what trauma he went through. Okay. So lot, lots of things happening in this issue. Issue four is also a flashback then? It is because uh, we pick up in the five years. We're like halfway through, halfway through the time. So when we start, we're 10 years in. We went right. back to the beginning. We got through five years in book number three, book number four. Um, we get almost all the way back in, in time. Okay. Right. I think we get about nine years in. And then in book five, we have a short period where we are in the past. And then we do catch up to the to where we are in the present, which is technically the future. I don't know. Let's keep track of time here. Um, <laughs> but issue number five is so jam-packed full of stuff, Marco DeFillo's going to kill me. <laughs> he was like, Lori, can't you, like, spread it out? I was like, no, it all happens, and, like, you know, and the stuff happens. Like, there's terrible things that happened before, and then we're back up in time, and then things ha start happening again. And then I'm part of the Path of the Pill Rider Facebook group, and you did, you know, yes. say, you guys know what's going to be happening. Do you know where the source of it is? But is it true it's vengeful fairies is where the source of the <laughs> I love that you added that to the poll. Um, what Barney's referring to is there's the Path of the Pill Rider Facebook group, and we do like polls and we ask questions and do shenanigans, and it's just a fun place for us to act out um, and interact with each other about the story. So I did a poll. I'm like, okay, now that we're four issues in, or we're almost four issues in, does anybody have an idea of what they think is going on? And I did a poll. And of course, I let, I always leave it where people can add their own <laughs> suggestion. Those are the most creative, let's be honest, right? And Barney's was Vengeful Fairies, which um, 
might be true. No, it's not even close, dude. It's not. <laughs> but it was entertaining and you get you get bonus points for that. <laughs> but yeah, so so at what point will like the the readership, the passive reader will what what issue is it is it actually like fully on um revealed? Is it not in this story arc whatsoever or is this going to happen within the first story arc that um, the, the first source. story arc is 12 issues. Right. It was 13. We condensed it to 12 to make it a nice even number. Right. Um, I believe it's either 9 or 10. I believe it's 9. Mm. No. It's somewhere around there. It's either 9 or 10 um, where Jude gets a definitive answer of what happened. And then we blow things up again. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 10. Issue 10. Okay. It's in the third act. So again, if we if this twelve issues was a full length movie, right. um, it's in the third act, and it's okay. pretty early in the third act where we reveal what the actual truth is. But it just it raises more questions, and then of course Jude's going to try and see if he can undo it. So you're doing it. So we're coming out with you're, you're are you're aiming to do three issues a year now? Is that the is that the? Aim? I would like to. Uh, we would like to push for four if we could afford it. Again, it all depends on how quick the art team goes. And again, we're pretty quick. Marco and I hit every single deadline, but like issue number two, we had a printer blow up. Right. Um, issue number three, we brought on a colorist besides Matt and she disappeared. And then we had, and then we had to start over with Matt. So it just, it depends on life. Right. Stuff always happens, but I always communicate to people what's going on. Uh, we will always deliver our product we have in the past. I learned last time, um, have a plan B, <laughs> right? Always have a plan B. Um, so we will always deliver. Uh, I would like to do three a year. And once we get good at doing three a year, we can do four a year. And, and again, it just depends on um, how often we can Kickstarter because, mm -hmm. again, the Kickstarter is our primary way of funding these. Um, they are so important to indie comics. It's basically our bread and butter. It pays for the art and it pays for the print. Um, most of the time it'll pay for the merch. just depends on what kind of merch I'm putting in there. What advice do you give people that are thinking about Kickstarters in the sense is that do you make your pledge goal enough to pay or do you make it low enough where you can then start utilizing it to um, to get those stretch goals and kind of get that forward momentum going? How do you how do you choose a goal level? This is a big debate within the indie community because, mm -hmm. For anybody who's not familiar with Kickstarter, the sooner you get funded, Kickstarter will then push you to the front. Their algorithm will then push you to the front so then more casual scrollers, you know what I mean? They can organically find you. Right. So the question is always, where do you put your goal? Um, people, I've seen people put as low as, you know, like 200, 500, but really they need like 3,000. Right. Um, to break even. But again, if you get so close to 3000, I mean, a lot of us indie people are so passionate that if I don't get all, you know, let's say I needed instead of 4,550, let's say I needed 6,000. Right. Okay. And I kept my goal the same, but I can get close enough to 6,000 where I can justify paying out of pocket. You see what I'm saying? Right. So a lot of times people will lower it for that reason. People will lower it for the algorithm. Um, but for me, for us, I'm more of a numbers person. Mm. 
So really our goal, that 4550 is the first goal we had to create a black and white issue. Okay. So really it does not cover um, everything mm. in our project. It'll cover most of the art at 4550. But it wouldn't cover like print job and it wouldn't cover merchandise. So do you utilize also Kickstarter's is uh, Kickstarter is, is also now kind of an it's an evolved it's uh it's now become a, a more established and, and mature platform in the sense mm -hmm. that people are actually it's kind of evolved in the sense where people utilize Kickstarter as a pre-order service as well. Mm -hmm. Um do you so is this money also for for you, does this money go towards to paying the next comic, or is this one going towards to pay the present comic that it's that it's for right now? Right now, it's going towards what we have left. We have gone into this comic as far as we can go before the money ran out. That's okay. basically my model, <laughs> right? And then um, we'll kickstart it for the remainder. And then if we have extra, it, like I said, we just keep going until the money runs out. Um, this one. Though we are, let's see, because after four, we're doing a trade paperback. Okay. So this one, our model, we're not going forward into five. We're coloring pages of one. Marco's going to do a cover for the trade paperback. We're going to format that in Kickstarter again before we will move forward into five. But that one should be relatively quick, um, considering that mo you know after we finish four, the art will be done. You know what I mean? Right. And then the turnaround time should be actually quicker. I just have to order the books. Right. So, um, again, anything that we have extra from any of the Kickstarters turns around and gets put back into the project. I'm not taking any money out of this. I haven't made a dime. Right. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? But it is what it is. It's more important to me to get the story out and to continue putting out comics than it is for me to take a paycheck. Um, because you had um, issue number one had 107 backers. Um, Correct. Issue number two had 100 backers. Yes. Um, uh, second campaign is always harder than the first is what I found yep. out the hard way. Wow. And then 118 for issue three. So yep. uh, how and, and also too right now is that your your goals also kind of seem to stick around around the, around the same point. Um, and you have almost three weeks left to go as of this recording and you already have 78. So you obviously is that your number goes up basically every Kickstarter. Is that almost it like the, also is like the more Kickstarters you do, the more backers you end up uh, creating as well. That's, that's the hope again. Yeah. Um, um, I also have a podcast um, that I picked up after the first campaign. Um, so I now have an audience I always try to do a lot of promotion. I think I have over 30 shows, again, that I'm promoting. And then um, I've been to a few LCSs, so local comic book stores, um, which are huge supports. Um, and then I'm going to two Comic-Cons. One this weekend, I'm going to Cowtown in Fort Worth, and then I'm going to Arlington Fan Days in Arlington the wow. following weekend. So I push real hard. Um, I am lucky enough that I have the time to commit to that. Right. So um, it definitely helps us. And I mean, every time that we turn out a successful product, it's beautiful. Um, you know what I mean? And peep, the story is enthralling. 
We right. do fun stuff on the side. We have a bunch of shenanigans. We smash pumpkins. I do short films. I run riddles that are, you know, lead to real places. So we do a lot um, that kind of sets us apart from a lot of the other indie out there. Um, and it, I think it's just a matter of people finding us. When they right. see us and they learn about all the cool stuff we do, a lot of times we get new people. Right. We've got a lot of new people already. So it'll continue and I'm going to continue to, to talk about it as much as I can and get eyes on it. And uh, we'll see what we'll see where we end up. Where do you see the future of indie comics in, say, in the next five years? I don't know. I'm actually uh, a little worried because mm -hmm. of AI. Um, I was watching another show. I don't know if you're familiar with Chuck Dixon. People love him or hate him. Um, either way, he is, you know, has done an amazing amount of work and he has written beloved characters um, and he's been around for a long time. So when he gives an opinion about what's coming, I want to, I tend to listen, right. um, you know, put aside politics and, you know, listen to experiences where I usually am. Right. And uh, he was saying that right now there's something like 3,800 digital stories being released a day. So like webtoons, global comics, et cetera, et cetera. 3,800. He's like with the birth of AI scripting, it's going to be like 38,000. Um, it's going to be real hard mm. to get noticed and get found. So I don't know. I don't know uh, where AI is going to take us. Uh, it's definitely a concern for everybody, writers, artists, um, any right. kind of creator. Uh, but we'll see. There's definitely a lot of things that are changing with um, distributors as well. Image left Diamond. Image is with Lunar. Um, who knows where Diamond is going? Um, DC and Marvel. I don't know. We're just going to have to watch to see what really happens and adapt, really, right. um, with what's going on. It's always good to try things out of the box and to try new things and to pay attention to trends so that way you can stay relevant um, so people can continue to find you. We're always looking for a new way to advertise and always looking for a new way to have people find us. There, I, you know, the best way I have found is doing these shows, um, comic book stores and, and comic cons. Those are the three things that I do. Um, if there was another way, I would do it. I just right. haven't found it. Because of that, because of AI and because of all this stuff, how do you see these crowdfunding platforms pivoting to support um, indie authors and indie comics and indie creators? It's, you know, um, we're getting inundated with Kickstarters recently. Right. Um, I don't know if it's the timing of it. Like there's certain times of the year I feel like there are more campaigns running than others. Right. And that might have something to do with it. But the economy is not that great right now. And there's a lot of indie creators producing great content that aren't getting funded. And some of them have been around for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it's a surprise. Um, and I, I have to think it's two, two, two things, right? It's the economy. And it's the um, overabundance of things on Kickstarter. Right. So um, it's it's going to be a challenge. And uh, like I said, I feel blessed that I am um, have enough time to really commit to this so that I can see it through and help it grow. 
But if I had a full-time job or a part-time job, it would just be so much harder. Right. This is my job, by the way. (laughs) This is what I do, Path of the Pale Rider. I write, I promote my comic, I bake cookies. Right. (laughs) And so- family, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and so talk to us a little bit about what are some of the, because every time you do a Kickstarter, there's always some new tweak or, or tier or something mm-hmm. that you're able to put in a reward. What is something that people that have been following you or new people that are new to follow you, what's, what is something that is new, new and unique that you're able to put into this fourth Kickstarter of yours? Well, I have new and I have unique, depending on what you want to look at. Um, you know, we um, I always change out a few things. And like last campaign, we did hot sauce, which was great. Um, yeah. I, I made a batch of 24 bottles. Um, I think there was nine people that backed the hot sauce. And now I'm down to my last bottle. I've been going to like tabling at... Um, comic book stores and they buy they buy it so i don't know i might revive the hot sauce but what took its place was the trucker hats um people are interested in my hat that i wear all the time so i'll be making those and then these collector patches this is kind of a throwback to the first campaign Mm. we did riot patches right um and this is kind of like the other side of the coin so there's the there's the trucker hat and then you saw the collector patch which you can iron on um, we've been doing metal covers, so okay. you will you will find a metal cover for number four. But what we didn't do for the first issue, we didn't do a metal cover. So okay. I have an add-on available for a metal cover for issue number one. If you are collecting, we will be moving on from metal covers starting with issue number five. I have my eye on doing some wooden covers wow. um, as long okay. as my printer will still be willing to do them. Um, he has the technology. And then I do change out my super secret every time. <laughs> Did you have like what was it one wasn't one Kickstarter you actually had like a little jar of bones or something like that? Yeah, that was the first super secret. It was called the Bones of Despair. That was a little warped. It was uh, a handmade wooden box. I built it myself, stained it. I wrote a poem about how when death is missing, um, decay sits on the throne, and that uh it's, it's more like if you put a, a seashell to your ear, you can hear the ocean. If right. you put a bottle of bones to your ear, what do you hear? You know, do you hear the voices of the damned? What do you hear in there? Um, so, yeah. So when you open the box, it was a, a glass bottle with ashes and bones inside of it. And the people that backed this level got to name their bones. So like on the top of the box, it said like, here lies Pierre, because that's what someone picked. And that was their box, right? Um, last campaign I had to, it was a little more expensive because I had to buy components. I 3d printed a working disc. Mm. Now I have one of these for myself and I wear it to comic cons as I cosplay as my own characters, but I built one for a fan, um, that was brave enough to choose the secret reward. And, uh, he's the only one else out there that has a working disc besides myself. This one, um, I don't have to buy components, which is great, but it's still handcrafted by myself. Um, you, I love these because you get the super secret, which is not something you can buy anywhere and you get a full set of books. So you get all the, you get all the books, all the covers, the PDF, and then the super secret, which I handcraft for you myself. So those are always exciting. Um, I love when people get those because they have to trust that I have something cool and I right. always 
something cool. You always have something cool. And every episode, every episode, I mean, every issue, you also have some riddle that can be solved as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. So um, that cover of the comic is always a riddle. It will take you to some place in the real world. So it's kind of like Alice in Wonderland. If you want to fall down the rabbit hole and, and experience what it's like, you know, to participate in these, um, they're great. Uh, the first one, it's like you find other riddle solvers. The second one, you get to interact with a character. Mm. Um, so when you answer it, something actually shows up in your mailbox from a character. And then uh, the third one is a QR code scavenger hunt. It's hilarious. Um, there's 24 QR codes. Most of them will take you to a YouTube video, which is like the trailer for Tombstone, um, a clip from Night of the Living Dead, some anime, um, Train to Busan, other movies that have inspired Path of the Pale Rider. Other of them are just crazy. There's a Rick Roll in there. There's um, the Swedish chef making hot sauce because we made hot sauce last campaign. Um, there's a one with He-Man singing, I think, Four Non Blondes. It's ridiculous, right? Sure. But one of the QR codes is another short that I created for Path of the Pale Rider. It's a little creepy, but it's meant to be. And you will know exactly which one it is when you find it. It's it's hidden, though. So you cannot find this video on my YouTube channel or anywhere unless you find it on the QR scavenger hunt. Oh, that's clever. It's, it's fun. You should do it, Barney. It's so much fun. Oh, you, yeah. you will laugh, you know, and it's like there's there's so many good movie trailers that are on there. Um, you'd be like, oh, man, I need to go watch that movie. I haven't seen that movie in forever, you know. Right. Um, it's good stuff. I have something incredible planned for the next one. I cannot wait to do it. For for um, issue number five? Issue number four, this oh, coming one. Oh, this coming is, one. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah it's good. <laughs> so, so Lori, if people want to learn more about you or follow you on the Kickstarter, where's the best place they can go to? To learn more about, I'm sorry, say again. Oh. Now I'm going to timestamp this, Lori. Jeez Louise. Now I'm going to say. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> 3105, uh, I think. 3105. There you go. Uh, if people want to learn more about Path of the Pale Rider or learn, learn more about Lori Calcateria, where's the best place that you could go to? Um, probably our website. We have, uh, it's just www.pathofthepalerider.com. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a bunch of information about the comic. We have the creative team. Uh, we have all the information about the Kickstarter and the history. Um, we, I have a blog that nobody reads. It's amazing. Um, <sighs> I put all sorts of weird stuff in there and no one has asked me about it yet. So I know no one's reading it. Um, there's a shop there as well. So if we're in between campaigns and there's a back issue that you're missing, okay. you can go pick it up there. You can order previous t-shirts that we've run. Wow. Um, I have other like keychains and tchotchkes. Oh, the choose your own adventure is there too. There it is. Add on yeah. the choose your own adventure in the Kickstarter. Right. But again, if we're not running a campaign, you can get it directly from me. Right. Um, the choose your own adventure is amazing. So in number four, oh, there is a background okay. character who is a main character. And it's like, and I had someone describe it the best way to me. It's the sixth sense. So okay. the first time you watch the sixth sense, you see this character and you have an understanding of them until you get to the end, right? And then the second time you watch the movie, the whole thing changes. 
that's this issue. There is a character in it and the things that are happening in the story will change context once you know who this person is. Oh, okay. Um, right. There's that. But the choose your own adventure, you meet characters that are coming in the story that are terrifying. Maybe this is, I think this is what you're talking about. Okay. Um, and what's, what's cool about it is that you as the reader of the choose your own adventure have insight into these terrible characters that show up later when the protagonist has no clue what he's walking into. So it's almost like, don't go in the attic. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't do it, Jude St. Clair. But he goes anyway because he has no idea. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so that's amazing. So yeah, pathofthepillwriter.com. You. you have everything you need if you missed out on something. You actually have, you can buy all the buy all the issues on there. There's all that short films and riddles. As you say, you got your updates on there as well. Um, but yeah, but everything is there. Um, there should be a link to our socials as well. We have a Facebook group. Like I said, that's kind of the, the best one to go in mm -hmm. if you're, um, on social media, cause the Facebook book group gets all the attention first. Right. And then we're, of course we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, we're on X and we're on threads. So listen, so, I mean, cause you're putting out basically, as we're saying that you're coming out with one issue, basically every two months, there's a new issue coming out. So. Every, well, every, not two months. <laughs> you must think I'm Carissa Grant. Um, right now it's every, it has been every six months and we're trying to speed it up to every four months with the goal of being every three months and running four books a year would be the best. Right. But again, it just depends on if we can get there. We right. don't want to sacrifice quality, quality. Yeah. or speed. That's we will right. never do that. Right. We want it to be the best version of itself when it gets to you. So unfortunately, if that's every six months, that's what it's going to be. But I think we can go a little quicker, right. um, especially after Barney was like, you do realize it'll be 12 years before you get all these out. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'll be dead. All right. Well, perfect, Lori. Well, thank you so much. And listen, I'll probably uh, probably see you again in what, February then, I guess. We'll see. Uh because next we're doing, like I said, the trade paperback. So we will see when we get there. It just depends on when we finish up four. Um, I'd like to finish it before the end of the year mm. um, if we can. But again, printers and shipping and everything around the holidays gets a little jammed. So it might be right. January just because of that reason. Right. Not that we aren't done with the art. It just takes extra time to after the art's done. Right. You might get PDF before Christmas. That would be cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Laura. It's always, it's always fun having you come on. This has been great. Thank you. Yes, and thank you, Barney. I love this show. I love being a friend of the show. Um, I always have a blast, and I always look forward to seeing what's, you know, what's going on next. So Barney was on my show as well. So if you all want to go check out the history of Tuesday Morning Brew, you can hear me ask uh, Barney questions about dad or jokes. And, um, and the most interesting Barney in the world. Thanks, everybody. Oh my gosh. Yep. My brother used to play the tuba. Oh, really? We have a crazy story about a tuba. Um, I had a Furby back uh -huh. in high school. And my brother played the tuba and um, we put the Furby in the tuba and started to play the tuba. Uh -huh. <laughs> Poor Furby was going too loud from the <laughs> side of the tuba. That's so scary. That's like the and it got, it got stuck.
Oh, and they had no. to turn the tuba over and like bang on it. And the t- Furby came shooting out and just like hit the floor and was never right again. Like the thing did. <laughs> we had to factory reset it because it was it was speaking in gibberish because it hit the floor. <laughs> traumatized so, poor, poor so Furby. That, how old were you? That must have traumatized you in a way. Like, yeah. No, no, I mean, not me. You. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, um, see? But now it's like anytime there's Furbies.